positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. video but there's this video i saw of a cajun guy eating horse paste because one thing that's hot on youtube right now is sticking it to the libs by taking a youtube video of yourself and explaining how normal it is to eat your horse paste (laughs) and then eating it live on camera which i think the conceit of eating your horse paste live on camera is look and i didn't immediately die which is <laughs> weird because that's not what people are saying happens like you eat it and you're like oh in my insides like it's just bad for you in general and it takes like a while. movie poison yeah <laughs> well it's yeah arguably isn't it basically just as bad as like doritos or like any of the shit we put into our bodies on a daily basis like well, red 40 and shit like that yeah I'll get yeah it's like red 40 it destroys your sperm uh, or was that yellow 5 and surge I don't know <laughs> we'll get into that in a minute but what I was trying to find and I'm gonna look for later in the show while we were talking is that so all the videos are very boring they're just these guys you know a lot of them are like hey here's my farming YouTube or like or there's just some random person that did their own medical research and then they're just showing you that they're eating the paste but one I found that I can't find again for some reason because I didn't mark it down is really funny because the guy's just super caged. So he's just like, <laughs> yeah, you got to put a little bit of his apple paste sauce down there on it. We'll make a little sandwich out of it. You know, you got to look deep, reach deep down into horse paste and then put it in your mouth like this. <laughs> and then he's like, he eats it. And he's just like, mm. but you can tell the part where he normally would go. Tastes so good, makes you want to slap your mama. He, like, <laughs> hesitates, and he just goes like, "It's uh, you, you can eat it. <laughs> like, he's, like, not having a good time because it doesn't taste good. Yeah. Because it's not made for the human palate. And uh, <laughs> and then he... That's why you got to add some uh, slap your mama sauce on it, you know? Right. Sprinkle it on there. Folks, if you're listening, if you're some eating, opa. if you're self-medicating with ivermectin, you got to put some <laughs> slap your mama on it. <laughs> Because it is not meant for humans. <laughs> like, I can't remember. He just said, like, dollar bill or something at the end. It made me laugh real hard. Uh, but I'll, I'll, I'll put it in later if I can find it. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. I'm Jake Flores. Anders Lee is here. Anders Lee here. And our pal Rara Imler from Atlanta, down in the swamp. Yeah, um, what's that? <laughs> welcome to the show. Are uh, there Cajuns in Atlanta? No, right? Um, I, not as many as you'd think. At least uh. not in the circles I run in, uh, maybe there is some kind of like cool underground Cajun scene that I don't know of, but yeah, I, not that I'm aware. <laughs> I didn't mean to throw Cajun on you. That's they don't want it that far up north. They're famously for famous for not leaving their own from Bayou. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. <laughs> Are there horses in the Bayou? Would the, do they get around in the Bayou? Would a horse get stuck in the Bayou? I mean, there's horses in like Louisiana and shit, for right? Sure. But Probably the, just not in the swampier yeah. areas, I imagine. I don't know. I just got uh, back from hanging out down in Atlanta with Ra Ra and friends. 
It's a pretty cool yep. area. I think I'm like physically allergic to the South, though. I I really like, <laughs> got knocked on my ass by Dragon Con and then pollen while I was there. Oh. Yeah, the pollen was pretty brutal. It, it's always brutal. And it's so funny because everyone up north is like, yeah, fall is here. It's so beautiful outside. And I'm just down here, just like damp and yet still suffering from seasonal allergies. It's very it's a very confusing time biologically for everyone. Yeah, I mean, plus I was at the end of a tour and I think I just like and then going to Dragon Con was like too much. Like it just beat the shit out of me. If anyone, you no, know, if if you had not mentioned it, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. If you had not like mentioned, like if I had not known two people going to Dragon Con this year, I would not have known anything about Dragon Con. It was like that, it, like I'm that separated from stuff that's happening, like literally ten miles away from me. <laughs> it was weird. It was like, there's like no whisper of it. I don't know. It was so weird. It was very loud at the thing, at the hotel, if you go downtown. If you went within, like, three blocks of downtown, whenever I was taking, like, a lift down there, I, the person would be like, so where is it? And I'd just kind of be like, just drive until you see, like, Darth Vader's and, like, like, uh, there's, like, like Rick a- and Morty's everywhere. Yeah. Okay. So this isn't necessarily, like, a dragon-specific convention. It's all sorts of sci-fi no, no, fantasy. It's, it's- it's basically it's kind of like ridiculous at this point because it's basically are you a fandom of any kind of movie or show? Well, we've got it. <laughs> okay. And it's not necessarily like sci-fi or fantasy anymore. It's like everything. So they're like Nora Ephron fans showing up. There was um there's a ha- surprise. <laughs> there's a Ronald McDonald and a Hamburglar and the Burger King all went together like as a group. And then at one point, I freaked out. I got a really blurry video of it, but I thought I saw by Bendem, the Michelin man that we've been making fun of. (laughs) But I think it was it was like a guy. There's like a similar white blob guy from like a Pixar thing. I don't think it was that guy. I think it was a third guy. Is it Big Hero 6? I think it was Big Hero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big guy in Rusty? Similar? Never mind. No, no. It's it's Big Hero from Big Hero 6, which is an excellent Pixar movie. If you haven't seen it. Is it good? I've never... Yeah, it's cute. I mean, like I, I like Pixar. Uh, I like their movies. I think they're adorable. And that's a pretty adorable one, honestly. I, uh, you know what? I saw the Pixar mom from The Incredibles with the big ass, <laughs> and the woman playing her played the part pretty well. I got to admit, uh, yeah, she was modeled after. Yeah. She might have cosplayed by putting. Stay having that dump truck ass. (laughs) Yeah, but it was like surreal, and it was pretty cool because at the end of touring, you're like exhausted and your mind's all melted. So to just throw it into like this weird mixer where there's just like Willy Wonka wandering around (laughs) with like Wonder Woman and Grimace and shit, and the guy named Yeah, there's like M and M's and shit. Yeah, it's like it just it's just completely like corporatized and like ridiculous now. I mean, like they were showing uh, they were doing like film screenings and stuff all weekend, and they had like Harry Potter and I think like Lord of the Rings or something, and then they had like Home Alone, which <laughs> it's not even <laughs> a it's not even remotely around Christmas time, and then like B who are like the Home Alone stands that are like oh my god I watch Home Alone all the time. A cosplaying as creepy. like the homeless guy. <laughs> There were certain people you couldn't tell if they were cosplaying. Like, if you looked too much like a cop, you had to look at the person and be like, are they wearing a mask? They're cosplaying. <laughs> the real cop is no masking for some reason. Um, the and also the other thing is everyone was drunk. So, like, you know, it's like a party. So it's really funny because yeah. there's, like, there's 
there's like furries around because it's uh 2021 you know and mm-hmm. it's like uh it's hot as shit to be a furry right now in atlanta i'm like that's a brave move honestly really? a guy took off his furry head as soon as i got there like an exhausted furry unscrewed his head which was really oh no like dreamy and weird and surreal isn't he, that ta- like really taboo to do <laughs> yeah it's like a mandalorian taking off their mask <laughs> yeah exactly he's a furry he yeah. took off his head and then he was like sweating and he looked at me and he was like he lifted up his drink and he went this is a pedialyte margarita i put oh, pedialyte God. in this <laughs> he, like, ah, it, it counters the poison yeah that's yeah. how it works I was like, cool, man. <laughs> I bet that helps with ivermectin, Pedialyte. Well, let's talk about ivermectin a little bit. A little segue there. Yeah, thank you, Andrews, for guiding the show <laughs> with your verbal abilities. But back on topic here, because I st- opened up talking about this. So, like, listen, I don't have a heavy deep dive on ivermectin for the podcast this week. I've been doing my research, but that turns out that's as valuable as anyone's research on the internet. And if you ask anyone about it, they all just say, well, I've been doing my research and that means whatever, you know, half of the back of the bottle. Yeah. Um, But I, I kind of, I, I want to talk about it a little bit because there's some interesting takes. I think we can kind of pick apart. I still stand firmly in the camp that it's very funny. And I think that's where I'm at politically is that at the very least, horse paste is a very funny phenomenon to have <laughs> come out through all of this. But like, I kind of was talking to somebody recently who had like a, a hot take as people will, which was that uh, you shouldn't make fun of the horse paste stuff because a lot of people who are working class and rural and et cetera have good reasons for being skeptical of like big pharma, which is what the vaccines come from. And like to explore that a little bit, you know, sure. There are reasons to be weary about that sort of stuff. Like, like um, a lot of people don't know this, but something that's, probably not a bad reason to be skeptical of vaccines is like um in the middle east when they were looking for osama bin laden which uh oh by happy 9-11 everyone by the way (laughs) the cia set up like fake vaccination sites and used them to extract people's dna and then it was exposed like years later there's like a citations needed episode about it and stuff so if you read about that you can get kind of brain pilled about like conspiracy theories, right? I mean, that's right. Not unreasonable. I almost feel like I, it's irresponsible to be mentioning it. But if you're <laughs> if you listen to this podcast, you're already mentally ill beyond uh, any salvation. But like, <laughs> you know, there, there's that, and then there is sometimes when you, when I argue when I argue when I talk with like anti-vax people, you know. They're so anti-authoritarian and they usually don't have a really good way of differentiating like government authority versus capital authority that like they will sort of make a point that I don't disagree with sometimes, which is that like you probably shouldn't trust these big pharma companies, you know, and there is something to that, too. However, like they clearly 
took the vaccine as soon as it came out. Like all the politicians yeah. that you're like mistrustful yeah. all the, of. All like, the people are citing. Yeah, absolutely. It, like, <laughs> I just I don't buy that. It, this is just it, it just seems like nothing but a conspiracy theory that it would be like, um, you know, some sort of secret like mind control thing or whatever. Right. Yeah. I think the fact that, yeah. you know, rich white people got it first should be like an indication that it's a. Uh, it's a real thing. I I work with somebody who's um, is not white and not rich, and she uh, got it at the. She made sure to do it in the like the richest, whitest neighborhood possible uh, to get the vaccine because she was like skeptical. That's and smart. I, I yeah, I mm. totally get that. Uh, and it, I guess it is conceivable that oh, it's a different vaccine for different people, but right. Um, but it's yeah, it's not, and and uh, it's it's. I think the only way to reach people is one on one. Honestly, like if if people see their friends are getting the vaccine and ending up fine, then they'll be more likely to get it. Um, but, yeah. yeah, that's totally that's totally worked with people I've just talked to at work, especially mm-hmm. that are like really just you know like low and kind of low information, or they're just you know they're seeing so much conflicting information and getting right. so much bad information from the people they know that they just need, like they need to see someone that's walking around. That's like had the vaccine. That's fine. And that, and hear that story. And then like, sometimes that's all it takes is seeing someone they trust take it. And then it kind of starts a domino effect, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When it first came out, there was like a week that I think got memory hold, but the big urban legend was that it makes you grow a tail, which is like really cute. <laughs> like, yeah, that happened to me, actually. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of nice. But that's cool. Shallow hell, except 10 times bigger. It's cool to have a tail, though. Yeah. So I think that's like we should advertise that more. Uh-huh. You know? But like without even getting into very often to vaccine stuff, because that's like something else I probably want to touch on with the mandate and stuff. The horse pace thing is so funny. Like, because like I said, I was on tour, and so usually I'm pretty online. But like, yeah. when you're really busy and you're like driving eight hours every day, and then you have a show and stuff like that, you have this weird experience where you don't like. If you see Twitter, you see it like once that right. day or whatever, and you don't have enough time to fully immerse. So you step outside of it, and this weird time distortion thing happens and then like because the news is so weird now post whatever the fuck happened in the universe four or five (laughs) years ago like i just remember like at one point sitting on a couch on like a day off or something and getting online everyone was just talking about horse pace and i was like (laughs) what like cool like what the fuck happened so i started reading about it since i got back and i guess Here's the best thing I could suss out and big, you know, Joe Rogan experience asterisk. I am not a doctor thing here or whatever. But like what it sounds like is people that don't want to take the vaccine are doing they all sort of, you know, just like the hydroxychloroquine thing a year ago. There's a new thing people have fixated on and decided is like a a medicine that they don't want you to know about. And it's. ivermectin which if you're if you're like an annoying lib and you're on the other side of the story going that's not medicine you're not seeing the whole picture here which is that ivermectin is a horse parasite medicine a dewormer that you use in like cattle and horses there's a horse on the box but (laughs) 
that's a main sign, I think. But but it's uh, sometimes prescribed in humans. But here's the thing, right? It's very rarely uh, prescribed in humans, and it's to treat like a really specific parasite. And when it's prescribed by a doctor in humans, which is not what's happening here, it comes in the form of tablets. And I was going to say it's like a totally different dose because a horse would be like would need way more. I mean, like logically, right? Yeah. So you're taking a horse-sized dose of ivermectin paste. Uh, rather than the pill form that's for humans it doesn't make any like any chemist will tell you like that doesn't make any fucking sense the <laughs> fda it's just dangerous like, there's like if you google this the first thing that pops up for a reason is the fda put out a statement that's yeah. like do not eat the paste <laughs> but, and they explain the difference like if yeah sometimes when people are prescribed to take it it's a tablet that they've dosed down to a human size because you are not 700 pounds like a horse or whatever and well as we all know the fda are all radical leftists so we don't listen to them right. anymore that's part of it right <laughs> it has to <laughs> everything is a, everyone's a radical leftist this this day and age it's amazing we're everywhere and we're nowhere yeah, yeah. this is equine marxism is <laughs> what it's referred to or whatever it's what is it like equa human uh the the animal from sorry to bother you that for oh. some reason was not the first thing on everybody's mind when it, people heard horse medicine right i think it's just because not that many people saw that movie i saw a hot take somebody which is said, crazy which is crazy to me because it's a great it's a great movie maybe if the people who are taking the ivermectin saw it they would not take the ivermectin because they'd be like oh they're trying to turn us into horses and this is part of that so it's actually more anti-establishment if we take the vaccine because they don't want us to take the vaccine. You know, some like reverse psychology or something. Yeah. I think we're way beyond reverse psychology. <laughs> like <laughs> the time for reverse psychology would have been like before the vaccine came out so they could yeah. really hype up and be like, no, we don't think you should take the vaccine and just do that covertly. And then uh -huh. by, and like through like Fox News, especially but like, yeah, the time for that would have been, you know, like 10 months ago. Not now. Not anymore. I don't know, man. I'll sit and stare at the Internet sometimes and like try to plan out like a chess match in my head, like how to do the <laughs> mental judo with all these people yeah. to put them in a position where they are trying to take the vaccine. But like, I don't think we have any control over it because it's just this kind of like it's a bad buzzword but like a contrarian sort of tendency to to just go against whatever a specific person is trying to make them do because like i feel like there was a point in the beginning where these people were like give me the vaccine dr fauci and then he right. was like yeah. here it is and now they're like fuck you i'm not taking it from you <laughs> So yeah, I bet it's going to be in like the other vaccines, Cuba. No, they don't fucking count. <laughs> yeah, I People bet. trying to delegitimize the Cuba vaccine because it's like, how safe can that be? And it's right. like, I don't know if you like ever been to the doctors in this country, <laughs> if you say shit like that. Like, yeah. I bet in like 20 years when COVID is knock on wood eliminated, people are going to want the vaccine. They're going to be like, yeah, it didn't work for COVID. <laughs> But it does work for, you know, whatever freaking crazy ass acne. disease. Yeah. We have in, in then. Yeah. Like we're actually growing tails and we need the vaccine to stop them. <laughs> or it's just, it, it's great. Or for, make them longer. Right. It's like, you don't want like a, you don't want like a shitty, 
like little tail that doesn't do anything. What's the point of that? Right. Go all the way. You want a longer tail. That's right. I want an apprehensile tail. (laughs) The thing that a kangaroo (laughs) has that you can lean back on. That sounds tight. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You've seen them? Just like a traveling chair. Yeah. Like a businessman at the airport who just leans against a wall and then a weird little like orthopedic thing comes out of his backpack. (laughs) (laughs) Or out of his ass. Have you seen yeah. the ones that are just like strapped to your ass? <laughs> oh God, that sucks. It's too far. It's literally like an airplane tray, like taped to your ass. And then you like do the sitting down motion and the legs come out and you're like sitting on the, the legs of the chair. This is a real product, by the way. I'm not just like talking, sh- you know, who bullshit. has, this is a real product you can buy right now. Who has the confidence to use that though? I would I, never, I just think I was going to fall backwards all the time. Yeah, like what? What if you just like forget to do a maneuver, like you're drunk or something, or you just you know you're tired and you're just like, ah, oh, fuck, I forgot, I forgot to flip my chair thingy, and then you just like broke your tailbone. Ironically mm. enough, <laughs> your tailbone. <laughs> oh God. Um. Yeah. Sorry, that was bad. It's listen. Early. It's early. I forced y'all to come <laughs> to wake up earlier, probably than usual. Wait, you're three hours behind me, aren't you? No, uh, no, I think so. we're at the same time. Yeah. No, we're in New York. <laughs> oh, <shit. Yeah. laughs> Sorry, I wake up at like seven a.m. every day, so Oof. I'm just like, yeah, you guys want to record at like yeah, eleven a.m. Cool. <laughs> yeah, uh, the funny thing about doing stand up is that you perform in the middle of the night for ten years, eleven years, twenty years, thirty years, whatever how long it takes, and then if you get a thing that pays well, like radio, your job is to do it at like six in the morning every day. It's like a <laughs> yeah nightmare faustian torture it's like a saw scenario or something like you like doing jokes do you in the late at night when you're drunk well now (laughs) you'll do them with coffee when you're exhausted right just vibrating off the walls yeah Yeah, that's why i don't really do comedy anymore because i'm like i have to do what open mic okay and like i don't know mike gams who also stayed with me uh when you were here jake you, you know, well, I don't I know remember. why I'm saying that. For, not for your benefit, for everyone listening. Oh, you're doing good so radio, my, like a comic. You're explaining yeah, to yeah. the audience. So, uh, so Mike Gams was staying at the same time Jake was at my house, and um, oh my god, where was I going with this? What was I talking about? I'm sorry. It is. We're talking really about being up still. late and early and shit like that. Oh yeah, yeah. So like y'all were coming in like three, four in the morning, and I would be like waking up at seven a.m. and just like it, just a tornado through my living room and leading into my office, and it was just so funny because I was like, man, I remember when I used to do this shit all the time because of comedy, <laughs> and like, and now I'm just like, ah, let me drink my green tea, and like I. I feel so much better like, about my life since I quit comedy, yeah. which is like so ridiculous. But it's also like I'm was living a little bit vicariously through you guys. Cause I was like, ah, I remember when I could stay up till three in the morning. That's fucking dope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you seemed a lot healthier than us. We were all throwing up and stuff <laughs> dressed like a Eminem or a Shang song from the con and just dying. And- <laughs> I just don't think that there's any wrong way to approach life right now. And so I'm not judgmental about mm. people doing shitty unhealth, like unhealthy things. Cause it's like, it, it's a really hard case to make to be like, yeah, you should like drink a protein shake this morning. Maybe you shouldn't get drunk today because I can't honestly give you a reason why not to, 
because everything sucks, but it's like some people are just fucking doing it to get through it. And like, I fuck it. Or some people just like, that's their fucking lifestyle. And like, I don't know. I don't think there's any wrong way to be living at the moment, just as long as you're not like hurting other people, you know? Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Right. Uh, that's uh, technically hedonism, which is not a bad. I know a guy who is <laughs> writing something about hedonism is misunderstood. It's not a bad thing. It's just do do what you want. Do but as thou wilt. I mean, do as thou wilt. But, I know, though, are like are like res- they're still somewhat like socially responsible. Hedonists. Yeah. They're masking up wherever they go. They're, right. they're vaccinated and shit. And it's because it's like. I don't know. I think there's kind of like some parallels in the sense to hedonism and Buddhism, mm-hmm. of like do no harm, uh, you know, and like have fun, do no harm. <laughs> right, right. Because harming other yeah, people, leave the world a better place. Like, yeah, <laughs> harming other people and choosing to not harm other people is good for yourself. It, it that's ultimately kind of a selfish decision to decide to not harm people and to you know it. You could you could argue that it all comes down to the self ultimately. I don't know that I believe that, but. Uh, hedonism's fair play. I don't believe that either. I think I think that kind of. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to get into philosophy because <laughs> yeah. I'm way too stoned to do that. This morning. <laughs> You're good. Um, that was an editing <laughs> note at Anders. Sorry. Sorry, that was no. That was, uh, Anders has this thing where he slaps I'm sorry. I talk with my hands, and it like sometimes knocks gear loose and fucks up the show. So he just did it, and then looked at me with his eyebrows no, no, up, like I just, did like, it. I fuck waited up the into thing? a conversation. I was the one that waited into a conversation. Was like, I don't know what I'm talking about, but here I am. No, we were talking about Satanism, baby. <laughs> Ethical yeah. hedonism. I'm into it. Um, I do poppers all the time and whippets, <laughs> and it doesn't hurt anyone. So I think I could be a Satanist. I think that tracks. Um, let's well. So actually, let's talk about you a little bit, though. We're talking about how we're living. I, you're forklift certified. That's a good way to be living. <laughs> yes. That's so funny. Can you tell uh, us how that happened? Um. Yeah. So for anybody listening that doesn't know who I am, um, I'm. I'm a, I've been a stand-up comic for a while now. Um, like if we're including pandemic years, I've been a comic for almost nine years. Um, I recently just stopped trying to be a comic. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, so I'm just trying to be funny. Thank you. We should have like uh, a party a for people quit comedy, like a bar mitzvah or something. Yeah. Like, well, I didn't want to make a big deal out of it because I think it's lame when people are like on Facebook with this like mega post about like I'm quitting comedy because I, I am pursuing a career in real estate. You know, like I don't want to I'm not going to like be one of those people that does that shit because I think it's lame. Go but I'm also Nanette. not like quitting comedy. I'm just quitting trying to be a professional comedian. Yeah. So totally. it's like it's it's not really like a big thing. It's just a fucking like different part of my life that I'm entering into. Well, people but, that um, aren't leftists like us often don't understand that's a thing you can do because everything yeah. has to be a job, you know? Right. Yeah. Exactly. And every, yeah. And it's like, even though um, I'm still doing podcasting stuff and media stuff, you know, which I love to do, um, I'm just, I'm not trying to be famous at it. If I get some cool shit out of it, like some cool opportunities and I get to, um, you know, make an impact in a positive way, like on our movement, then I think those are, that's more what I'm aiming for than anything else. But um, yeah, like, so to pay my bills, I didn't pay my bills like as a comedian, I'm not going to like pretend, <laughs> I'm not going to pretend I was like making all that money. Um, but I've been a dancer, a uh, stripper for almost three years in Atlanta. So that's how I've been making money. Also why it's a lot easier for me to quit comedy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, Cause I'm still performing. I'm just perform. I'm just performing in a really different way. 
It would be funny if when you did comedy, people threw tons of drink tickets at you, like when you're stripping, <laughs> like they made it rain drink tickets on you and shit. Oh, my God. That's so great. Um, but you only get two. So it's like, you can't, like you can't even that wouldn't even work. You know, no, that's a very quick way for me to uh, get alcohol poisoning for sure. Um, <laughs> no, no. I, yeah, I've, I've been dancing for almost three years. I'm looking to change uh, careers, but it's kind of like a slow, uh, it's a slow thing to do. And it's also weird to like try to have a career in, in this world we're living in. It feels very stupid and strange sometimes, but it's like, I'm just trying to do something that can keep me sane. If I'm going to have to, you know, work through the apocalypse, I want it to be something I like doing. Yeah. So how but, did you end up yeah, becoming so I'm a stripper and comedian? Oh, I'm sorry. I totally like I totally lost the, the thread of conversation. <laughs> all this. Yes. Yeah, so no, that um, is an important so detail, really... though, because I realized I just said it's funny that you're forklift certified. And then I just realized yeah. without the context that you're a stripper, that isn't actually that funny. That's just normal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I so I'm constantly because I'm really open about being a stripper online and I, I have no shame around it you know, people are just constantly bombarding me with trying to like make me feel bad about what I do for a living, which mm. doesn't work, but is also sometimes just like really, uh, just really frustrating. But people would tell me shit like, you know, like, Oh, do you, are you a stripper? Because you don't know how to do anything else. It's like, like I had like just didn't exist before the age of 29, which is when I started being a stripper. <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah, no, I was just waiting around like, for my entire adult life so I could be a stripper because I don't know how to do anything else. Uh, but it's, it's shit like that where it's like, oh, do you not know how to do anything else? Can you not get any other job? Um, like, you know, oh, yeah, you're you're a fucking dumbass. You don't have any real skills. That's why you're a fucking stripper. So I just like got kind of tired of people telling me this shit. And even though I have like a really, really <laughs> rich work history because I've had a lot of different kinds of jobs, I was like, fuck it. What's an easy certification that would really like shut people up um, if they're like, you don't have any real skills. And I was like, I was looking into it and I was researching it and I was like, oh, forklift certifications. It doesn't take any time at all to get certified. Um, the class I went to was a four hour class on a Saturday. Uh, nice. I had to wake up at 8 a.m. and go to the next county over <laughs> on a Saturday. Yeah. Uh, so I could take this four hour forklift certification class. Uh, but basically, I just did it to win internet arguments. Uh, so. <laughs> Much respect for that. It's a really, it was a really expensive bit. It was like three hundred dollars for that class. Um, <laughs> uh, but I, I like now. I just have that. I just got that thing on me all day. You know, I keep it in my wallet. Oh, <laughs> if anybody so needs a, if anybody needs some forklift shit moved around on the fly, like I've got you. What What do you say to critics who say uh, forklift? That doesn't sound very efficient. Why don't we have a spoon lift? Yeah. What do you say to those people <laughs> who exist and are real? <laughs> That's what I think every time I hear forklift. I assume there's a good argument for why it's a fork and not a spoon, but I have yet to hear it. I, the prongs, man. It's all about the prongs. Okay. Like, <laughs> those prongs, like you, you can put them in holes that lift ah, gotcha. other shapes, like pallets yeah listen of course okay insertion she knows that makes sense she took the class for four hours are you certified for life now um i i think i am no i have to i have to update my certification in like three or five years i forget which one Uh, but it's like the class itself like 
I don't know. I find myself like thinking about stuff in the class all the time, like keep it low, move it slow. <laughs> that <laughs> like sounds like one it, rule. it might also apply to your day job, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Keep it, keep it low, move it slow, which is great because when you're pole dancing, everyone thinks you have to like move super fast and stuff. It's like, no, you pop a squat and you twerk, keep it, keep it slow. You know, mm-hmm. if there's nobody there, it, like if I'm working and it's really slow, I'm not doing all these crazy pole, pole tricks, right? I'm fucking keeping it low, moving it slow. Mm, yeah. So yeah. So yeah, I find it it is applicable in my day job as well. <laughs> <laughs> well that's a really funny bit. Uh, I'd imagine works well when dumbasses try to come at you with shit like that because I don't know. To me, it just seems like dancing at a strip club it would require a lot of skills in it of itself that are I entirely respectable to me and that I don't think I would know how to do that shit. No, it's hard. It's like people just think like, oh, you're pretty and you just show up and people throw money at you. And it's like I've seen the prettiest girls in the world just fumble the bag because mm-hmm. they don't have any people skills yeah. or they're really dumb and it, and they just don't know how to like secure the bag. When I say secure the bag, it's the lingo for fucking making your money, like making as much money as possible. Um, and I've seen people just fumble that shit because they don't have people skills or they're really stupid or they're really, really mean. And whoever they're talking to is not into that. Like, you know, just a lot of it is really in in intuition that you build. um, And the longer you work as a dancer, the greater that intuition kind of builds. And so you can kind of, that's why, you know, there is this like misconception that if you're a strip, a stripper, you have like a shelf life and that, Oh, the older you get, the less money you make, but that's just not true. There's just so much more potential for money when you actually know what you're doing and you're comfortable in your job, Mm -hmm. because you can also spot people that are wasting your time really quick. Mm. You know, you don't have to, you don't sit there with them for 30 minutes at a time, like some baby strippers do. And, you know, and then they give you like 10 bucks or something. So it's like, there is a way to like build on these skills. And as long as you can afford a uh, cosmetic surgery and fillers, then you can work for forever, baby. If you're I, thinking about it out there. <laughs> it always seemed to me like that. It's a very delicate balance between uh, being nice and knowing how to maybe not be nice in some situations. Is that fair to say? Like, yeah, yeah. It's a it's it's crazy. It's weird because it's a weird occupation because of the emotional labor aspect Mm -hmm. of it. Um, But it is also um, kind of liberating to um, because there's times when I don't want to be nice when someone's like, you know, trying to assault you or something and trying to put a hand where it doesn't belong. And you've reached the point where you can't be nice anymore and you have to be firm. The reason I like my job is because there's nobody. um, And I don't know. I can't say this for every strip club. Um, Some clubs are pretty abusive, um, but I'd say like the clubs that I've worked at, like I'm not forced to talk to anybody I don't want to talk to. If I was a server and someone was trying to sexually assault me, I'd probably still have to like hang out, like hang around that person, get their drink orders and shit. But as a stripper, if someone if I'm telling a person, no, don't do that and they won't stop. I can just fucking walk away. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. I can just walk away from it and not deal with it. Right. So in a lot of ways, to me, it's better than a normal industry job. There's yeah. three occupations I think about all the time in tandem, which are uh bartender, comedian, sex worker. And like <laughs> yeah. because they're all like very like the, a lot of a lot of them are 
counterintuitive to leftist shit because you can't really mm-hmm. unionize them because you're like very individual and you're kind of a gunslinger and you're kind of just like have to work alone and stuff but they're kind of yeah, fast kind of a ronin in that regard you're just kind of like you got a code you're on the road alone sometimes you run into other ronin and you got to fight or link up or some shit <laughs> well i think what's interesting about those types of jobs and like an increasing number of those types of jobs are kind of existing as like capitalism moves into this thing where we're all like independent contractors and gig workers and stuff like that is that traditionally when we look at jobs through like a marxist lens you know we're looking at the precarity and and that as like a disadvantage but in specific jobs the precarity you know in combination with the fact that the thing is really um you know like what do you call it like uh like necessary to the mm-hmm. boss or whatever that creates that classic um tension where you can then unionize or something like that and it's not really the case with these types of jobs but but there's this interesting thing where like because the same thing that's a disadvantage which is that you uh don't have any job security and you're just as basically like self-employed person who sets up wherever they want and doesn't have Mm -hmm. any of the things that you would get out of organizing and stuff like that Mm -hmm. but for the same reason that those things are happening to you you also have all this fucking control which is cool which is something that you just deal with in the nature of these jobs so like you can like um you can make your own hours to a certain extent or you can find an employer that treats you better and that lets you slap the guy when they fucking go too far and i mean that in all three of those jobs like (laughs) whether you're serving him (laughs) drinks or you're telling him jokes and he storms the stage or you're fucking dancing or whatever like you have this control where you can like tell people fuck off or whatever and it just it fries a lot of leftist brains to a certain extent yeah and again like what's interesting about all three of these things that you describe a comedian bartender and and uh stripper specifically is that um you know again it really varies from club to club but it Mm. really varies from employer to employer but you do have this like i think um this like cowboy sense of freedom where you're just kind of like yeah you're out on the road you're like you know you're you're lone wolf most of the time and sometimes that's fun but again it does make it really hard to organize in your workplace and i'd say um on the you know having been all three bartender comedian and stripper i could say that the hardest one i think that would be to unionize is stripper it's it's hard because it is a very atomized individualistic workplace right. um it it is highly competitive um because it is a lower barrier for entry you get all kinds of people that come into it and because we live in a very capitalistic society, you get a lot of, you know, want to be capitalists and you get a lot of people willing to fuck other people over. Mm. And um, and it's you know, it's hard to build a sense of community in a place where also like the club I'm at really high turnover rate. Like yep. I want to say it's about um, when I walk into the club these days, I'll know like maybe a handful of girls out of like 25 girls, like five girls that day. And the rest of them are like new. And I just like, don't know them. And to have a workplace turnover that high is, uh, is an incredible difficulty. And the reason I know this for sure is because that was Amazon's tactic to, um, to stifle unionization is to just have this reckless, like we need, like, we're going to work people into the ground 
um, and so that they don't stick around long enough to be able to unionize. Um, and I think there was like an intercept report about that, actually. Um, and so these are like anti-union tactics. Right. right. Um, but but also like. You know, if people are leaving a club and there's a really high turnover in a club, there's a couple of things probably going on. There's probably abuses by management, um, which could include tip abuse, like uh, exorbitant house fees, mm. which for anybody who's never been a dancer, house fees are what you pay to work that day. Like strippers have to pay to go to work. So it's kind of like when comedians have to come in and buy like two drinks, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but like yeah. on a way worse scale. <laughs> Damn. Or like a hairdresser. You got to rent the booth out for the day. Like people don't know this exactly. stuff about these jobs that are like trades and stuff like that. <laughs> They're like, this yeah, and because shit. you are freelance, you like, you, you know, and because, uh, you know, Georgia in particular is abysmal with re- worker protections. Like, you know, these clubs get away with charging girls like, 60 so sometimes so it's at my club it starts at 60 percent of your tip outs so if i make a hundred dollars i'm paying 60 of it back to the house and that uh percentage goes down the more money you make it's like a it's a tiered system so the incentive is to like work your ass off make as much money as possible because that way your tip out will be lower uh, your like tip out percent would be lower. Other clubs have like a, a straight up fee. And sometimes that fee is like $60 a shift, $40 a shift, whatever yeah. other, other clubs they'll charge on like, uh, if like your VIP rooms and shit like that, um, or like a percentage of your VIP or a percentage of your like lap dances. So this is like all this, like, and because it varies even within like the city of Atlanta, this varies from club to club. It makes it really hard to get people on the same page about like, what it is that they would want, you know, like what demands they would want. Um, so some people are more, some people, their house fees are really low. So they're not concerned about that. They're more concerned about security. Some people, their house fees are really high. That's what they're concerned about. Other people, they're concerned about like, um, like being able to set their own schedule. Right. Uh, so yeah, so it just, it depends on workplace to workplace, which, you know, that's honestly the biggest difficulty is just getting all those statistics and getting all those numbers together. Right. You know, I do remember reading, I think this was in commune a few years ago, if I'm not mistaken, it was about how there is a strip club where they, uh, the strippers were able to unionize, but not uh, make it an, they didn't do an official accredited union, but they did do like sort of an informal union. Are you, mm-hmm. is, does that, is that common in your experience? Um, like maybe not the official, thing but you you do form like a sort of a solidarity network within the the workplace well so that's kind of like what i'm working on right now and again like when we talk about unionizing and stuff um you know this there's a this is a long study process Uh like this is definitely not you're not gonna be able to do this within a couple months unless you like get all your friends hired that are socialists and like and plan on doing that, which you really shouldn't talk about publicly if that's what you're going to do, by right. the way. Um, Although but no, socialists typically but are hotter than the general population that is that established. <laughs> that's I'm true. saying like we honestly need more socialist strippers, like I, if I'm being honest. But um, yeah. so uh, w- my kind of you strategy. You don't want a capitalist up there wearing a top hat and a sash. <laughs> <laughs> Monocle. Yeah. <laughs> so like my my theory, uh, my theory behind how we can like kind of start approaching unionization, like how we can start conceiving of it is to 
um, encourage community within uh, people's own clubs. Mm -hmm. So what I'm trying to do right now is kind of just start more social interactions outside of the club with my, you know, with the girls I like and kind of form a solidarity network that way and um, kind of get together uh, and do mutual aid projects, you know, because I, because I had many dancers approach me and be like, I want to do like a mutual aid thing. How do I even get started? So like the energy is there because a lot of times, again, like dancers come from all different kinds of backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of like people that come from really poor communities or really poor backgrounds. And those people are usually the most excited to help other people. So you could really do a lot of solidarity work and a lot of community building around mutual aid for your neighborhood, like, uh, like mutual aid for homeless people or mutual aid for, uh, street sex workers or something like that. But this is kind of like my working theory right now is to, um, really strengthen and define that community, uh, network in in your workplace. And then from there start saying like, okay, what can we do to help each other? And once and, and once you've built like up that trust, then you can kind of start talking about, well, what do we want to see from this place? You know, because we're taking care of each other. How do we want this place, you know, to be worth our labor? You know, so that's kind of like my working theory about it right now. Sorry if I'm rambling. No, no, oh, this is what I brought you on the show for. Yay. <laughs> this is like perfect. Um, it was either this or talking about horse paste for an hour, which I'm running out of material about. I wonder if they'll start serving ivermectin cocktails at, you know, select strip clubs. Well, you maybe. could, in theory, oh. make an apple teeny with yeah. ivermectin because it tastes like applesauce. It, there's really? A, there's oh, my a God. Horse Are you serious? on the box, and then it says applesauce flavor. Oh, of course, because that's what they eat. Yeah. Because they, horses like apples, right? But the problem is it's what, like, animal food is is like for animals it's what's for their palate ostensibly yeah. and not yours so all these videos are of these people going mm, applesauce paste that fuck you dr fauci that sounds a lot more tasty than a vaccine and then they eat it and they're like it doesn't really taste like apples in the way that i thought it was gonna because it doesn't have like sugar right it's not just pumped full of high fructose corn syrup right yeah. that's what they're imagining is that it's gonna taste like apple jacks or something <laughs> so you could make like probably a really bitter apple teeny or i guess you could even sweeten it up with like some simple syrup or something like that all right you know what maybe i just had a million dollar idea yeah i'm gonna be a traveler i was gonna say like i feel like the way to trick people into taking the vaccine was just like Offer them a free soda somewhere and then just pour, just pour it in. I think we maybe were <laughs> overthinking just, this. What if we just put the vaccine in the horse paste? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> right. What would would there be any satisfaction if the horse horses take it? Well, the thing is, people are saying well, horses can get COVID, right? Uh, I think so. Remember when right? we went to the zoo in Atlanta? Remember those apes that we saw? Yeah, yeah they have COVID now. <laughs> so I saw oh, on Twitter. Shit. Yeah, so the silverback gorillas could get it, uh, which is oh really sad. Oh, my God, that's so depressing. What the fuck? But yeah, just, so they didn't have a... So we, we went to, like, this uh, part of the zoo where it was, like, a wild encounter kind of thing, and we, we pet the rhino, the white rhino at the zoo. Yeah. But there was also like a shutdown uh, lion, like meet the lions. And they had to shut that down because of COVID. Cause apparently lions can get COVID too. Cause they're giant so cats crazy. and cats. Mm -hmm. can right. Get COVID. Yeah. Or apparently the apes can't do what they did, which sucks. I just oh rewatched. We got to uh, get them the horse paste. Yeah. <laughs> I just rewatched Osmosis Jones 
and oh, uh, great flick. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. Twenty year anniversary, and there it's passed through a gorilla. I've forgotten. Um, that Bill Murray is eating a hard boiled oh. egg, which I had to shield my eyes because I find hard boiled eggs disgusting. But he drops it <laughs> Interesting. into the, he's a zoo worker and he drops it into the gorilla thing, and the gorilla like licks it and gives it back to him, and then he eats it and gets right. the, the evil germ stuck oh, in his body. Interesting. Jake, have you ever seen this movie? No, no. I've you should. You. We should do an episode on it. It's a great flick. That sounds insane. It's actually yeah. pretty great. It's it's like partially animated, partially live action, and mm-hmm. uh, Bill. So there's. It's about this. Um, it's about this guy and his body, and Bill Murray plays the guy, and he ingests some like really exotic um, like virus or something, and then inside his body is all like cartoon land and. One of the um, is he a white blood cell? <laughs> yes, Chris something? Rock plays a white blood cell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he plays like a, a anthropomorphic white blood cell, and so he's going through like the cities in his body that are all like made of his organs and shit. It's great. It's right. actually a really awesome film. Okay. Yeah, and it's great. It's educational for kids. That and there's a the mayor is like, we got to keep things going. We're gonna go get some wings <laughs> in a couple days, and then there's another uh, organism running for mayor that's like, no, we got to start eating salads. And it's a it's a lot funny, of fun. Like halfway through the movie, the human just ejects himself with hydroxychloroquine, <laughs> and the entire body dies, yeah. and then everyone's like, what the fuck is happening? That's the, you know what they should reboot it for COVID just to explain people to people what the fuck is happening. <laughs> yeah. Honestly. Honestly, yes, because that was uh, the only way I knew how some of that shit worked. (laughs) (laughs) Yay, public school. (laughs) But it's like, no, we're still working within the framework of a paradigm that these people will reject, though, because if you come out with Osmosis Jones 2 and it explains why you shouldn't eat the paste... Because the paste makes you sterile, apparently. I don't know if this is true either. No, no, but but Osmosis Jones is a cop, though. That's what I'm saying. It might actually work. Yeah, like the, the white, like he's he's like a white blood cell slash cop, and he's white. And he's like they trying like to solve the mystery of the virus. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, they would listen to a cop if a cop right. was like, "Yo, true, interesting." Right? I feel like they're selective with stuff like that. Like if they don't like what he's pushing, then they're like, "No, he's a China cop," and he's mm, a but everybody well, yeah. likes Chris Rock. He's universally loved. But do they like <laughs> so Jack Chris A? Chris Rock as a cop. I don't know if I these horse paced people are the part of the universal group that loves Chris Rock. <laughs> <laughs> Just going out on a limb True. here. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Have you ever really met like have you ever met like a really old like racist white guy that like loves Dave Chappelle? Like no, abs- they're out there. Absolutely. You know? yeah. Actually, like yeah. I was jo- I was making I was making a, a mean <laughs> joke about them that was reductive, but honestly, <laughs> those people love stand up comedy and they love Chappelle and all those fucking guys and often love comics who would entirely disagree with everything they believe in, but they just <laughs> believe that right. George Carlin or whatever would have believed in the horse pace and stuff, you know? Yeah. Like I'm, I'm, I'm like specifically thinking of guys like my dad who love like stand up comics and are like, Oh yeah. You know, like, like I'm not racist. I just like Trump kind of like wacky dudes. And you're just like, okay, well we got to like channel this wacky energy somehow. I haven't figured out how to do it. Obviously you haven't either, but I'm just putting it out there. (laughs) If we had Chris rock as a white blood cell slash cop, and he was like, yo, man, the vaccine's super cool. Like, you should, I don't know. I'm really, I can't do a Chris Rock impression, obviously. That um, vaccine didn't go vaccine. Wait, fuck, I fucked it up. <laughs> that tiger didn't go crazy. That tiger went tiger. 
Okay, so tell me about this thing in Atlanta where the cops made their own town to shoot guns at each other and shit. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So uh, it's not made yet. That's what everyone's, uh, that's what we're fighting for is to uh, make sure it's not made. Um, but it's it's called Cop City. It's uh, kind of like the moniker it's been given uh, by the locals here. So Cop City is a proposed massive new police training center um, which is being mainly backed by the Atlanta Police Foundation. And it's a, basically a facility at, that is expected to cost $90 million and include a state-of-the-art explosive testing area and some firing ranges and also a mock city where police can test out urban uh, methods of policing. So it is, uh, yeah, just like this really monstrous uh, development that is that the cops are really, really pushing for and that um, a lot of city council is and their, um, you know, corporate backers are really, really pushing for. And uh, in order to build the facility, the city would have to demolish 300 acres of forest um, which is already currently being used as a firing range for the police uh, in certain areas of the forest. Um, but it's, you know, it's going to have this huge environmental impact um, on the, you know, Atlanta's canopy, which is like helps protect it from the worst aspects of climate change. Um, but yeah, that's kind of like the rundown of what exactly it is. So it's not built yet. Um, it would take another three to five years to get it built so once once it's okayed, which it technically has been okayed. So. Oh, right. They, they just passed the law, right? Yeah. So what happened was city council had uh, pushed back the vote twice because there was a lot of criticism and a lot of um, organizers and citizens being like, we haven't had any public input um, about this massive project that's going to come not out of the existing police department budget, but is going to be in addition to. So the police budget in the past year in Atlanta, by the way, has risen by 7%. Right. They didn't defund shit in Atlanta. And that's mm. a total myth that conservatives have been like running around saying about major cities is that they've been defunded. Um, but Atlanta's budget increased by 7%. But this project, this $90 million project would come out of the the city's coffers god yeah i saw that not even out of the seven percent increase not insane. even out of the the police budget it's a separate expense it's crazy <laughs> is, how much cops love just buying themselves new shit to play with like i looked at yeah. the mock-ups of it and it there's like there's there's a burn building so that actually i mean sure you, you need to train firefighters i guess on like burning building but there's just this building that's going to constantly be on fire which seems insane wait and for the right. for the cops and the firefighters i guess so the firefighters like learn how to run in and save people and the cops learn how to run in and shoot people i don't know i guess as they're yeah see see i haven't heard anything from firefighters being like yeah we want this it's been <laughs> mostly cops and then um, you know, like pro police um, uh, members of city council and then just like alleged progressive members of city council that are, you know, just taking the police's line, like hook, line and sinker about how it's for public safety. And it's it's because the um, you know, there's a rising crime waves in Atlanta and they have to respond to this even though the fucking facility won't be built for another three to five years. Um, but it's also just, you know, there's, there's a lot of people backing this, but it's mainly the Atlanta police foundation. So the groups leading the pushback against this are community movement builders, 
Sunrise Movement Atlanta um, and Atlanta DSA, who are in coalition under Stop Cop City. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, I saw I looked at the mock ups of it. I'm trying to find it right now, but it's it's like there's also like a horse range for them to practice. <laughs> really? Like what new shit? Do You're we- saving money on medicine that way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, wait. Now it all goes all the way to the top. Um, yeah, there's like a horse, horse range. range. What the fuck does that mean? I don't know. There's like a pasture with in the brochure. There's a bunch of little like horses standing around. And then there's also four wheelers out there for them to like practice four wheeling around <laughs> doing tricks with horses or some shit. Okay. There's like a dog, like a dog park where they train the police dogs with this like ramps and hoops and shit like they're in like a dog show god yeah so so yeah so people are just like pissed off about this and so basically um the vote was pushed back twice over this past summer and then on wednesday city council after getting uh over 17 hours of public comment called in um they went they went to a vote and they voted to approve building for Cop City and approve funding for it, rather. And um, and it was voted in 10 to 4, despite Josh, this is like 70 percent of the residents that called in on the public comment. Mm-hmm. Um, they were opposed to Cop City. So they basically city council just doesn't give a fuck about regular people in Atlanta. It's all about the corporations that are going to profit off of this um, because there's also talk of like. Um, cert, like a film studio being like put up in that area as well. So it's like 300 acres of public land being dedicated to this $90 million. And most people in Atlanta don't fucking want it. Like it's been, demon- it's, it's just been proven. And even our own mayor is just like basically just throwing everybody under the bus and is just like, oh, the city, the, the city council members who voted in favor of this are so courageous and like, <laughs> basically admitted that the morale and retention of the police department is that administration's priority and not like, you know, mm-hmm. what anybody else has to say. Yeah. What are some of the, the things that could be done with uh, the land or, or just nothing people? What, what are some of the alternatives people want? I mean, the alternatives would, I, I, I think that some of the alternatives proposed are obviously um, like, public affordable housing um, because Atlanta doesn't have fucking any like there's uh, I I read somewhere uh, there was a statistic going around um, and I forget who reported on this originally, um, but there was a statistic going around that um, around 90 percent of new buildings in Atlanta of new residential buildings in Atlanta are luxury apartment buildings and condos. Um, So luxury housing and which means there's like literally nowhere for regular working people to live in the city you know if you mm-hmm. are in any way improv- impoverished um and you know our minimum wage here is the same as everywhere else and we're experiencing the same problems as everywhere else but the wealth inequality in Atlanta is so so bad it's like it's probably the worst like in the country is what some people are telling me yeah I uh, was trying to find a video because there's a visual mock-up of the cop city that you can walk through, but I can't. It's like the only one I could find is also on a Fox News like 
just page so when you open it it starts playing all like these other videos at the same time so it's like impossible to, to on the fly like dump into the podcast here but i went to youtube do you have like a do you have like a um an ad blocker on or what it doesn't really matter i mean i was just trying to find it on the fly so i could i could look at the other little weird parts of it because there's like a couple of it's just hogwarts for cops there's like oh there's the <laughs> yeah. theater where we do the warrior training and stuff but i fucking went to youtube and i looked up cop city atlanta mock-up and the first thing that pops up is this this four-hour video called exclusive video atlanta police officer defends his actions after breaking man's ankle and it's just this jesus Christ. really angry looking white bald dude <laughs> who i guess is gonna talk at the camera for four hours so yeah, shit sounds fucked up down there. Um, well, ugh, yikes, that sucks. I wanted to report <laughs> on that before the the thing got passed, but it turns out it did. Yeah. So now I don't know what else to say it, about it other than, um, yeah, there's going to be like a debrief next week. And I just want to, I just want to clarify, I have had very little to do with this campaign. It's just um, because Atlanta DSA was really, really involved with it. I've, I've been abreast of it more than most people in the city, I think, have. But really, it's like that coalition of uh, of people that have been canvassing and doing a lot of education around it are the reason why we, we know so much about it. Mm. Um, but yeah, CMB, Sunrise Movement and Dark, which is the Atlanta campaign uh, defund APD refund communities. So it's like our defund the police campaign for the gotcha. city. Um, but yeah, so there's it was a coalition of all those all those teams coming together and all those organizers and the, they're doing a debrief next week about next steps because it was kind of expected when, when the vote was tabled the, the first time, you know, everyone was just like, wow, I can't believe we got a, a, a vote because it was for sure going to pass if there wasn't any work around this. And we managed to flip some people. So we have four people on our fucking side now on city council that have been like, okay, we're going to listen to you. Yeah. And then there's 10 that just don't give a fuck. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so I'm in, Seems so gonna, I think it's going to be like more public, more public pressure campaigns on individuals who voted for this next. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure for sure. Right on. I mean, it seems like just yesterday, Amazon HQ and Queens was an, an inevitability. And then, boom, it didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. So. We'll see what, 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 you know, what comes down the pike, what happens. Police stuff is so kind of frustrating to me. I don't know if this is even relevant. I was just talking to somebody about it the other night and. There's this thing with like defund where people say like, oh, you know, poor, it's only white liberals and yeah, it's only these, you know, white kids with the dreadlocks or whatever. The f I don't know what voice I'm doing, but like, you know, you say like people in the communities of color that are being policed don't want this presence. And it's not true. It's I think what it is, is it's a, you know, it's like a racket because like. You used to have the mob and then you had gangs and now you have the police, which are occupying the same space, which is like the reason people are like, no, like you can't take them away is because there's not anything else to uh, to to fill in the space. Well, the, the vacuum need not be there if you have funding and stuff and you just have like a, a not to get into fucking anti-police theory and stuff at the right. end of a podcast. But like I've just been thinking about this lately. It's just a fucking racket. It's just a goddamn gang. Yeah. Like, uh -huh. They're just like intimidating you into funding them to be there yeah because public no, safety no, is a huge 100 percent what it is yeah i mean like i i think like a lot of people are just scared of them i think a lot of politicians are way too scared of the police because mm -hmm. they're so powerful these these police unions are very very powerful and you know 
there have there have already been proposals about where this money could go, how it could go towards, you know, resources for the for the community for that, especially that 300 acres and around that uh, and the people in it. And there's there's definitely abolitionists out there that have done like so much work around this. And I encourage people to like go and explore abolitionist theory because, you know, what abolitionists like defunding is the path to uh, abolition. Like, and I, I actually really do believe that. I believe that it starts with defunding, but we've seen how even the slightest amount of pushback of funding them has led to actual like increases. And it's like an acceleration of the police state, you know, as we know it. And, you know, the acceleration of the country deeper and deeper into this state that is going to be incredibly difficult to pull ourselves out of. Um, but it's, a, it's been an interesting testing ground like Atlanta for what that pushback looks like and um, what can be done and who we can sway. So even though, you know, I'm not going to sit here and be like overly optimistic and be like, yeah, we did it. We like, mm. even though we failed, we fucking did it. It's like, no, there's, there's a lot of work that needs to be done and they need def definitely a lot more support locally. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see what the, you know, core organizers of these groups decide on going forward. But yeah, it's um, so I'm just glad I could shed some light on that. For sure. So. Thank you so much for uh, for talking about it. Because I know it's it's happening right in your neighborhood and you probably know a lot about, more about it than we do up here. Um, it's also really funny to me that people keep saying we're in a police state because of like the vaccine and the <laughs> you have to use a car to get to a bar. And it's like, look at the actual police right. state here. The, the actual police in the streets. Right. This is the shit that those same fucking people will say is like, oh, you're being dramatic about and police are like a fact of life. But then like, yeah, you have to show a vaccine Atlanta, to, you know. Yeah. And Atlanta being the, the most surveilled city in the U.S., like people won't think that's a police state. But yeah, people enforcing vaccines. Sure. Yeah. Well, um, I know you got to get out of here. Um, why don't you go ahead and promote Hot Girl Agenda, the podcast? I enjoy it quite a bit. Let my listeners know about it. Anything oh, else? Hell yeah. Yeah. So Hot Girl Agenda is an anti-capitalist femme podcast, and we talk a lot about, you know, organizing and community movements and pop culture and pretty much anything under the sun from a leftist femme perspective. So it's really, really fun. My co uh, my, my co-host is Yessi Padilla and they're fucking awesome. And we always have like really cool guests on. We had you on Jake and Lisa as well. We got to have Anders on at some point. Yeah. I'm all about the hot girl agenda. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But you can find us at, uh, so we're on pretty much every streaming platform there is. And you can also subscribe to the Patreon for our bonus episodes. It's patreon.com slash hot girl agenda. Cool. And uh, yeah, not to compete with you or anything, but. No, no, we're not. We don't <laughs> compete. Right. We're, we're part of one big scam ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a Grifters got to work together. It's a group grift. Yeah. Yeah. Group grift. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. We're not capitalists. We don't compete with each other. Right. We just want we just want to be compensated a little bit for the for the labor of putting shit out there, right. you know? Right. <laughs> We're shitty capitalists. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um all right, cool. That's uh, you got anything else, sir? We all set. Oh no, that's it. I, that's just listen to my podcast. Subscribe to the Patreon, please, so I can keep making cool stuff for y'all. All right, thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks, Rara. Ooh.
Oh, there it is. Okay. Okay. We're back. Uh, plugs. Let's do some plugs and get out of here. That was Rara Imler, our very funny friend uh, and comrade. Um, let's see. What have I got to promote other than the usual stuff? Our merch we have for sale. Link is in the show notes. Our Patreon. You should sign up for our Patreon and listen to our bonus episodes. We just did a really good one with our friend Luis Diaz about the 9-11 museum that's fucking crazy she knows a lot of shit about the 9-11 museum um also i think we're gonna i'm gonna start twitch streaming again soon so keep an eye out for that if yeah. you're one of those fucking freaks. alex has been doing it i know i yeah. might go back to it yeah i just bought WarioWare, which is a really stupid game that i think is going to twitch stream pretty well um oh here's what i have to promote i since i don't have any more dates since i'm off the road for the minute I've got a new album coming out, which is um, because of uh, what a low-level comedian I am. The material I record sometimes comes out years after the fact. So all of the shit from back when uh, Ice blew me up and I was doing stand-up about that is on this album that I recorded that got fucked up by COVID, admittedly. That's part of it. Uh, so it's finally coming out. It's going to come out on November 5th, but if you want to hear it live and you listen to Sirius XM radio, if you're one of those fucking freaks, um, it'll be airing live September 24th at 2 p.m. and 10 p.m. Um, I'll put the details in the show notes. I'm not exactly sure where. I think it's maybe on the Stand Up Records channel or something, if they have a channel. I don't listen to Sirius. Uh, that's it. What do you got, Anders? And Anders Lee here on Twitter. Yeah, sign up for our Patreon and uh, help out India Walton, who's running for mayor in Buffalo and is dealing with some of the issues we're, we're just discussing in, in Buffalo. Um, donate or phone bank. And if you're in Buffalo, please go out and canvas for her. That's it. Cool. All right. It's finished. It's finished. Oh, and thanks for coming to the live show. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, friends. Now it's finished.